0: Our, our desires, that those things that, are, that come from God within us, our soul hunger, our soul thirst, our desire for righteousness, th- those things are meant to fulfill us. They bring peace, but if we pursue sensual desires or material desires, what happens is that creates fights and quarrels among people, right?
1: Hello and welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast. I am Zach Peak, and I am here with our Salty Pastor today (laughs) to do our podcast. We want to help you learn how to think, uh, learn how you can apply biblical principles in your own life, and not just have to listen to somebody, but be able to critically read and analyze the Bible and your faith yourself. Mm -hmm. So with that, here is the Salty Pastor himself, Mr. Douglas Ooh sorry, Dr. Douglas <laughs> P.
0: Wow. Well, everybody, this is my son. He's going to be co-hosting because Jesse is out again. We miss him. And, uh, you're going to get peak in both veins today.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, your doctor does not recommend that. that is <laughs> yeah, for sure.
0: Probably recommends no peak in any vein. And so we're excited today because we're going to be jumping into James chapter four, verses one through 17. And we're helping people in this study try to figure out how to write their own spiritual growth mm-hmm plan and the adult ministries department has been working on a special tool to help you develop your own plan. The tool itself is just a, uh, a venue or a process to help you write your own plan in the, the end plan is something that you can focus on over the next couple uh, months, year of your life. And for some people, they might just write it out on a card or a sticky note and stick it on the dashboard of their car. Other people are going to, you know, do vision boards and they do all these different kinds of things. It doesn't matter how you do it, whether you do it digitally, whether you do it, uh, on a physical piece of paper or what the key is that you have in your head a personal spiritual growth. Plan. Why do you think having your own personal spiritual growth plan is so important, Mr. Peak?
1: Oh, well, there's a variety of reasons. It's, you know, it's like any other part of your life, whether it be, you know, a workout plan for physical goals, whether it be, you know, a career plan or anything like that, whether it just be goals with your family and your relationships, uh, by writing it out, by critically thinking about it, you have to, you know, it forces you to really go into that and decide what's important and what's not. So it helps you prioritize, um, and then it also helps hold you accountable a little bit. And then it helps you see your progress. And it's mm-hmm. really important to be able to see your progress because if you are continue moving forward, but you don't think you are, you'll get really frustrated. Mm. But with a plan, you know, maybe you'll think, I would like to, you know, improve my prayer life. And then coming up with a plan for that, you've got to think, okay, what does it mean to improve your prayer life? Are you praying more every day? Are you praying in different spurts? Are you praying like one big long prayer? What are you doing there? Yeah. You know, and then... What, what are you going to decide is better? You know, how are you going to judge whether it's better or not? And then yeah. also how do you chart
0: months, progress? Yeah. yeah.
1: And then six months later you can look back at it and you can be like, Oh, well I've been, you know, I just pray on my own sometimes. Like I'll just have a rough patch hit and I just decide to pray immediately. And you're like, that's awesome progress where mm-hmm. you may not have noticed that if you didn't think about it, if you had not written out a plan.
0: Oh, that's great. So, well, and James has just got so much practical information and teaching that we can weave into every element, every phase Mm -hmm. of working on the plan, developing the plan and the finished plan. So let's start off jumping into chapter four and, uh, kind of pick up on some of new things that we need to be cognizant of as we're developing a plan of spiritual growth. Mm -hmm. So let's, uh, let's start with the first, uh, I don't know, three verses. Why don't you read James four, one through three for me?
1: All right. Uh, James chapter four, verse one, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have. So you kill you covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have, because you do not ask God when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures.
0: I think what's really interesting about this passage when he says fights and quarrels, he actually uses in the Greek terminology that talks about armies and battles. So he's kind of talking about that. And then he says, Your desires at the end of verse one, and then at the beginning of verse t- uh, two, he says, You desire. And he uses the same word here, and that is a uh, uh, hed- hedonon, which is the word we get hedonistic from. Mm-hmm. And so he's not talking about uh, ambitions, he's not talking about goals that you set, or maybe even dreams that you have, Mm -hmm. what he's specifically talking about is sensual pleasures, sensual Mm -hmm. desires, whether it be food, whether it be drink, whether it be, uh, any of the other types of things, you know, that, that, uh, we tend to chase after and desire, you know, it could Mm -hmm. be rest. It could be, I mean, anything. So he's talking about this. and, And so I think it's really fascinating how, what he's saying is that the cause of war, right. Is material desire. And so, you know, conflict comes out of material desires or sensual desires. Mm -hmm. And so he talks about that. Now we were talking earlier and you were making a point about the main theme of James in chapter two. Uh, excuse me, chapter one, verses two through four, where it talks about the trials that we face. Mm-hmm. And so, what what was kind of your take on that? That what do we have a tendency to do, and what do you think it really might mean?
1: Yeah, well, I think a lot of the times, and I've known I've been like this for for ages. When I hear that verse, you know, when you know, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. I've always imagined those trials as things that are external. Mm-hmm. Like you know, uh, if something bad happens to somebody I know or, some, or or me personally, if something is going on in my family that's a struggle or with work, you know these external pressures. I'm like, oh yeah, those are the trials. You know, I need to have wisdom through those, but. I don't think James necessarily would limit it to that. And he mm-hmm. might even take it in the way of these trials or the fighting within us. You know?
0: Oh, so kind of more of the internal difficulties that we go through.
1: Yeah. And he's describing it here. You know, what's causing the quarrels and fights among you? Well, you're jealous of each other and you want stuff that other people have and you don't want it because it's good. You don't want it because it's righteousness or holiness. You want it because you want right. it. You want it. Cause you're like, that would be good. And I deserve it. And yeah. that's just entitlement. And it's, it's really not something that is based in, in virtue It's not based in your relationship with God. It's based in, as you said, your sensual desires.
0: Yeah. And this is tied back to what we talked about last week when we were talking about favoritism, Mm -hmm. you know, they're showing favoritism. So they're using, uh, external means by which to value people. Mm -hmm. And so now he's addressing this again and he's saying, look, this favoritism, right, where you're trying to get stuff Mm -hmm. ultimately creates more conflict. So I I was going to read the next thing. So basically what he's trying to point out is that our, our, our our desires, that those things that are, that come from God within us, our soul hunger, our soul thirst, our desire for righteousness, those things are meant to fulfill us. They bring peace. Mm -hmm. But if we pursue sensual desires or material desires, what happens is that creates fights and quarrels among people. Right. And so then he says in verse four, you are an adulterous people. So do you, you know, what they're trying to do is they're ha- trying to have a split allegiance right mm-hmm. between the two. He says, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell within us? But he gives us more grace. And this is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. I'd like to uh, ask about your opinion on anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God and how we can't have both of those things. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, and and Paul talks about this in some of his letters, uh, how there is a difference between our desires, you know, like you you pointed out, there's our soul desires, mm-hmm. our, our longing for God, our longing for relationships, our longing for intimacy and truth. And then there are the sensual desires that we have for things, for for money or power or love or, you know, lust or whatever it may be. There's mm-hmm. these desires that we have that are not edifying to others. They're not edifying to ourselves. And, you know, James is making the point that you can't have both. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about how we want, you know, to use the salty pastor to help people learn how to think. And one of the things that, you know, James is asking us to observe here is what are our motives? You know, going back to verse three, you ask with the wrong motives. Ask yourself why you want something. You know, don't just focus on the fact that you want something. Ask yourself why you want it. Um, You know, you can want to be better at prayer because you want to be closer to God. That's excellent. That's soul hunger or you can want to be better at prayer so that in your small group, you can sound better than everybody. That is, the, you know, even though it's in like a Christian setting, it's still something that's a sensual desire. It's jealousy. You know, it, it's, it's based on you.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: you know, that's where, that's where James is drawing this divide is you can't have it both ways. If you're going to live based on your sensual desires, then you're not living on your, the desires of your soul and your the mm-hmm. desires of God because they are opposed to each other.
0: And I think here he talks about how there's a spirit of God, this new spirit, the spirit of redemption, Mm -hmm. you know, and this spirit has, uh, that he has caused to dwell within us. He specifically says, so it's within us doing its work. And even though we're never going to be perfect, the question isn't whether you still have selfish desires or not. Mm -hmm. The question is, is that, are you trying to. Uh, affirm and support and worship these desires. Cause if you try to affirm the spirit of God within you, that's molding and shaping you while well, at the same time, try to affirm and embrace these other desires, you create a war, not just within yourself, but then that war spills over into all your relationships around you. And so I think what's really interesting is then in chapter, uh, four, verse seven, he really kind of says, here's the answer to bringing kind of a unity Up, back, get you back on track. So why don't you read seven through 10 and tell, and then we'll talk about it.
1: Yeah. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up.
0: And I think here's, what's really interesting is he's saying, okay, if you have this uh, div- division within you, mm-hmm. um, and if you feed both and it creates a spiritual adultery that creates wars and factions, not just within you, but outside. Mm-hmm. And he says the answer to this is to make a choice and that is submit yourself to God mm-hmm. and he says, and that when you submit to God, you're resisting these other things in these other desires and the promise there is that when you submit yourself to god that he flees from you so there's i think there's kind of like a safety type thing a protective element there what do you think about that
1: well i think it's important to take those statements together mm-hmm. um, you know context matters a whole lot in yes. written documents and if you just take the sentence on its own resist the devil and he will flee from you That can be, at least for me, that's been false where there's been times where I'm like, I'm tempted by something and I'm like, I shouldn't do it. I know I shouldn't do it. It would be fun, but I know I shouldn't (laughs) do it, but I want to. And like, I fight it myself. And then guess what? That doesn't work. Yeah. But you have to pair it with submit yourselves to God. Mm -hmm. You know, when you pair submitting to God with resisting the devil... Then it's God who's resisting it, and He's very, very good at resisting. That submission is an act of, you know, and like, like I said earlier, when we have to ask ourselves what our motives for something is, you know, if we are desiring something strongly, um, you know, one of the ways to, to follow what James is saying here is to, to in prayer ask God what you are, why you are desiring it.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, sit
1: down with Him and be like, why do I want this? Maybe it's a new job. You know, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's money or something. And you're like, God, why do I want this? And submitting to him, because sometimes he'll be like, yeah, you want this for some bad reasons. That's not a, it's Mm -hmm. not good for you. Mm -hmm. Other times it's a really positive thing. And he's in your, you know, sometimes it can be something that you're not sure about. And he's like, yeah, this is a really good desire. Go and do this, Mm -hmm. you know? But the important thing is in both situations, you're submitting to God and you're, you're really examining yourself with his help and asking, what are my motives in this? You know, am I following the Spirit? Am I following, you know, my worldly viewpoint and Mm -hmm. my flesh? What is going on there? You know, and James gives us a lot of great uh, points about all this. You know, come near Mm -hmm. to God. He will come near to you. Wash your hands, literally, but also not literally. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it's like, uh, you know, wash your hands of what you have done. You know, that's asking for forgiveness, purifying your hearts. Only God Mm -hmm. can do that. And then I do think it's interesting how in verses 9 and 10, you know, he says, grieve, mourn, change your laughter to mourning, you know, be gloomy. And I think his point there is not that, you know, we should just make ourselves sad all the time, Mm -hmm. but that if we are in an area, if we submit ourselves to God and we recognize that we have been living a sinful life and we've been making decisions based on our sinful nature instead of based on Him, then yeah, we should mourn that and we should ask Him for help. Humble yourselves before the Lord. You know, when you recognize. That you have been pursuing your desires that mm-hmm. are selfish and sinful and against Him and worldly, yeah, mourn that, but then humble yourselves before Him and He will fix you. He will be with you. He will send His Spirit upon you to change you and help you.
0: And I think that that's really important to point out here is that what He's saying is that verses 7, verses 8, verses 9, and 10 are all a uh, a singular process that you go through, you know, there's a grieving process that people go through and mm-hmm. you know, it starts off with denial and then there's anger and then there's bartering and then there's accepting and then, mm-hmm. you know, so this grieving process kind of, you go through all these stages multiple times and they, everybody say oh, I'm moving through my grieving process. And I, I think what he's talking about here is that you have to first choose God, which is submitting. And then what happens is that creates a resistance. And I think you said it really, really well. And that is, is that you have to have to say, I'm going to stop. And then it says, come near to God and he comes near to you. So you have to, the next step is, is, uh, taking it to God and his presence because only he can restore you, right? Only he can, uh, cleanse your heart. And then he says, look, wash your hands. You sinners, purify your heart. So stop doing what you're doing, right? Make changes make changes that are specific to where you want to go and what you want to be, get into accountability. And he says that will get you out of the double-minded, the vacillation back and forth. And then what you're saying is there's going to be a process of grief. You're going to grieve and you're going to grieve over things and that's okay. Feel free to mourn, feel free feel free to wail, he says. But uh guess what? Even though your laughter turns into mourning and your joy into gloom if you humble yourself before the Lord, in other words, you trust him for the process, ultimately he is going to lift you up. Mm-hmm. So I think the New Testament often speaks about how Satan indwells uh Uh, the material desires that we have, which are with us all the time. We never actually escape those, but he can't really indwell the Holy spirit and its influence over you, Mm -hmm. right? He can only get you to callous yourself against it. So I think this process is, I think what he's doing, he's talking actually about a process similar to the process of grief. Uh, that we move through. So I'm going to move on to, uh, uh, verses 11 through 12 and, and then we'll talk about those brothers and sisters do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? So I think one of the things is, is that we go back to verse one and he says, because of your desires, you were at war with one another. And so the way, you know, you're in a, a, what did they say? A land war in Southeast Asia, or, you know, it's one of those things. It's one of those rules, uh, in the princess bride, you know, he says oh, never. I yeah. can't remember. I need to watch it again. I yeah, guess. yeah. One of the lines <laughs> is never get involved in a land war in Asia and never match wits with a Sicilian when death. death. Death is on the line. (laughs) Okay. Bad movie reference. But what he says is, um, notice what he's saying is that, okay, you know, you're in a land war when Mm -hmm. you're slandering one another. Right. Mm -hmm. And so he says, when you do that, you're actually making a mistake. What do you think? What do you think that means? I mean, how do you, I
1: I want to ask you a question about this because I was, uh, I have a friend of mine who I do discipleship stuff with Mm -hmm. where we meet every week. And we go over scripture together and talk about it and what it means and everything. And it's, it's a really great time. And last night we were talking about, uh, first Corinthians chapter two, Mm -hmm. towards the end of that chapter, Mm -hmm. uh, Paul is talking about the spirit and he says that the man who has the spirit makes judgments about all things, Mm -hmm. but is not subject to the judgment of other men. Mm -hmm. So how does Paul saying that when you have the spirit within you, it allows you to make judgments about all things that man makes judgments about all things that exist with James here is saying, you know, anyone who speaks against a brother or judges them speaks against the law and judges it.
0: How do you square those? Well, I think what he's doing is, uh, number one is I think that uh, whenever you try to interpret things, you have to be careful not to make what I call a categorization error. Mm -hmm. And a categorization error is that, oh, because we have two words that are the same, then they mean the same or they're in the same category. And this is the biggest issue between Paul when he writes in Romans that, you know, you you know, faith and works, you you know, you cannot have works, you know. Mm-hmm. You can't work your way to salvation, you oh, it's only through faith. Mm-hmm. And then James says, well, faith without works is dead. Mm-hmm. And so some people say, "Oh, that's a contradiction." And I go, "Okay, well, the first thing you're doing is because you have two words that are same, don't make a category error just because you're reading them. For instance, like you could say, "Oh, I give you a rose, And he rose. Mm -hmm. Okay. The first one is I gave her a rose. And so what pops into your mind? The flower. Okay. If I say he rose. He got up, he got up. (laughs) So, oh, just because they sound the same and they're spelled the same, doesn't necessarily mean they're in the same category. They're two separate categories. So in this regard, what I would say is that when you have the spirit of God and you're attuned to the spirit of God, Mm -hmm. you're making evaluations and decisions, right. Mm -hmm. On everything that's going on in your life around you, you know, Mm -hmm. you can listen to God and God guides and leads. Mm -hmm. And so if God is leading you right through the spirit of God, then other men, you're not subject to the judgment of others because mm-hmm. God is guiding and leading you. So that's one category.
1: And the judgments you make are solid and true.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, well, how do you know you're listening to the Holy spirit? How do you know that you're listening to God stuff? Well, you're, you're steeped in the word, right? Cause we, that's our, that's our compass. It's our mm-hmm. benchmark. And so. You know, you kind of follow that's how, you know, um, in prayer and in, in communion with the Lord, these things all weave together in order to do what you just described in this situation. What he's talking about is that people are using the law to criticize one another. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, and he
1: starts out with do not slander one another. So he's not describing the context of someone who's following the spirit and knows God. Correct. He's describing people who are trying to bludgeon each other.
0: Yeah. And I think that happens is that, uh, I I know I'm this way and I know a lot of people are this way And that is, is that if you feel you've been wronged, what you tend to do is you, you tend to use the law, right. Mm -hmm. To say, I want to, I'm going to use, you know, you want to slander that person. You say, well, they were not just wrong, but they need to pay this penalty and they need to do this and they need to do that and so forth and so forth and so forth and so forth. And so I think that that's what we tend to do in our human nature. We're not realizing going back to verse one, that this is actually driven by a selfish desire. It's mm-hmm. like. I want vengeance. I yeah. want my pound of flesh. I want this. Yeah. And only until you do this, will I let go of my bitterness and anger. Yeah. And of course, Jesus says, well, you know, life actually doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. First of all, you have to, you know, forgive and let go regardless of what other people do. We've talked extensively about that. Mm-hmm. But in this situation, I think what he's saying is that if you attempt to use the law in that way. What you're really doing is you're placing yourself under a judgment that you don't want. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. It's basically the old thing is be very careful about pointing fingers Mm -hmm. at what God is doing in somebody else's life is he may be, uh, breaking them or he may Mm -hmm. be restoring them or he's doing whatever. And you're on the outside. You may feel, oh, I have a righteous. Uh, capacity to make judgment over that situation. So you point a finger, mm-hmm. you know, and the problem with that is that there's three fingers pointing back at you. <laughs> yeah. So don't forget that. And that's, I think that's exactly the point that he's making in this regard. He's saying, who are you? Cause you don't know. It's not up to you. Mm-hmm. And, and I think this is directly related to the fact that there was these wars, right. And fights and quarrels among them. I don't think, uh, you know, they were actually killing each other with knives and swords, I I think most scholars say, when you look at the order in which he's speaking and the structure of the syntax, it's pretty obvious that he's, he's speaking in hyperbole that, uh, you know, you kill, which in, in war, you know, the only way you can ensure that the battle is completely done is what?
1: Annihilate him. You got to kill the other guy, right? (laughs) Otherwise
0: he can come back and fight another day. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's kind of that thing where, you know, what he's talking about is similar to what they picked up in the book Ender's Game, where they asked him, you know, why did you keep pummeling this guy? Yeah. And he said he goes, "I just didn't want to win this fight. I wanted to win every single fight in the future." Yeah. And uh, so that's what we tend to do as we approach this situation. Uh, this is what he's talking about, I think mm-hmm. here. In a way that I just don't want to win this battle, mm-hmm. right? I want to win every single battle with you forever. So that's the notion of kill. I want to I want to annihilate you and totally destroy you. Yeah. And so he's saying, "Look, if you he goes, "Look, you're a He says simply, you got to be really careful because you're using the law as a judge. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the meaning of the word judge the law. He says, so if you're not keeping the law yourself, you know, you don't live up to the standard Mm -hmm. and yet you turn around and expect other people to live up to that standard. You're putting yourself in a very difficult spot instead of letting God resolve it and God take care of it. Mm -hmm. You're seeking vengeance on your own. Yeah. So, and I think the last verses here play into this whole notion of following. Cause some people think, oh, he's changing the subject, but he's really not. Cause notice what he says in verses 13 and following. He says, look now, listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Okay. So what does that mean to you that these guys are doing? What, how does that come across to you? Verse 13.
1: Well, they're just guys with a nice uh, business plan.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's, it seems to me that what he's saying is that they're, they're basing their decision on their own selfish desire or their own material desire. Mm -hmm. You know, they're only looking at it from that perspective. And he says, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. Mm -hmm. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a while and then vanishes. So what he's saying is that when, when you're making plans purely on the basis of your own earthly desires, Mm -hmm. you're playing with fire because you, you're not in control of that ultimately. And then he says, instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And so what he's saying is back earlier, he said, submit yourselves to God and resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Come near to God. He will come near to you. Humble yourselves before God. Mm -hmm. So what he's saying is that you should humble yourself in every area of your life, not Mm -hmm. just, you know, your relationships or your spiritual life, but this flows over into your business relationships as well. And so he goes, as it is, you're boasting. In your arrogant scheme. So that's the key. See, that phrase tells us Mm -hmm. what these people were doing and why James was saying, yeah, you don't understand that you're creating conflict, not just within yourself, but you're also creating conflict with so many other Mm -hmm. people. And so he goes, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. So he concludes this whole thing about, you know what you ought to do, Mm -hmm. walk and live in it. But this is this verse 17 is the place where the entire doctrine of the sin of omission mm-hmm. comes from. Yeah. What do you think about that?
1: Well, I mean, it, it's uh it's a pretty high standard,
0: <laughs> <laughs> very high standard. Yeah, yes.
1: Yeah. But. It's, uh, in asking us to live up to that, the only way that we can, the only way we have that power is with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And that's why these spiritual growth plans are really important, is because they help us track our progress and stay accountable and put together Mm -hmm. a plan that prioritizes ways for us to follow God more. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, then a life that James is describing, it becomes more and more like he's describing the good life and less and less like he describes the one that is based on sinful Mm -hmm. nature.
0: Mm -hmm. That's excellent. So everybody, we just want to say thank you for uh, listening to peak and peak here on the salty pastor. And we're going to be picking up on Thursday where we're going to try to take these biblical principles and try to really apply them to the world in which we live and how they can help us navigate. So I want to say thank you to Zachary, uh, peak, my son, who is here today. Uh, he's an incredible young man. I'm so very proud of him. And I want to say thank you for listening to Salty Pastor signing off and God bless you.